This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast, presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, my guest is Patrick Galvin. He's an accomplished speaker, coach, and author, as well as the co-founder of the Galvanizing Group, a learning and development company that focuses on trust-based business relationship building. Applying the principles of Patrick's books, The Connector's Way and The Trusted Way, the Galvanizing Group offers high-performance companies and teams a systematic and measurable approach to business relationship building taught through innovative coaching, training, and online learning programs available through Open Sesame at opensesame.com. You can find Patrick and the Galvanizing Group online at thegalvanizinggroup.com. Patrick, welcome to the Learning Unlock podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Brian. Thank you so much. So let's start with a little background on you. How did you get into all of this? Well, our focus is 100% relationship building as a company. And most of the really valuable stuff I learned about relationship building didn't come from what I studied in school, but it came from what I have learned both in my own work and the work of our clients, that it's all about relationships. When you really look at what allows a individual or, or a company to succeed is that ability to build great relationships internally uh, with the team members, as well as externally with the customers, the prospects, the folks who refer business to them. One of the things that you've said that I think is really interesting, connecting and networking are not the same. What's the difference? Well, networking, I think a lot of people, when they think of that word, they imagine the person with a stack of business cards walking into a, a room and basically being a blackjack dealer, trying to pass out <laughs> as many cards as possible, just making lots of making a lot of um, introductions, basically. Connecting is really going beyond that initial point, and it's really building a relationship. Connecting is relationship building. It's figuring out, you know, what is it that that other person needs? How can you be of service to them? How can you help them out? And when you have that mindset of really getting to know people and figuring out what their needs are, whether they're people you work with or whether they're people you work for or you want to work for, um, it's all about figuring out those points of connection and using those to build relationships. So I would imagine to do that, you have to be a pretty good listener and you have to figure out what the value proposition is, right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think connecting is a, a. It's a lot of good listening and responding to those needs. So, uh, when people wear that networking hat, 
stresses them out sometimes. I've got to go. I've got to meet so many people, pass out so many cards. And it's, I think a lot of people think about relationship building as a numbers game. But if you're really listening and you're figuring out not, you know, what would you like, but what would that other person like? So everyone learns the golden rule. It's like doing to others as you would have them doing to you. But really, if you start going out there thinking about the platinum rule, treat others the way they want to be treated. Well, that requires listening. And then how could you be of service to them? So yeah, listening is a great starting point and just really digging into how can you provide value to that individual? All right. So here's the big question. Your company focuses on trust-based business relationship building. How do you build trust? Well, there's uh, so many different ways that you can look at trust, and it's been discussed over the ages. So I have a new book out called The Trusted Way, and I am looking at a very simple 24-word credo for trust building that has been around since 1932. It hasn't changed. I think it works really well. I've used it myself. It comes from an organization called Rotary International. Yeah. and it's a very simple concept, 24 words, got four different parts to it. Uh, there's other things out there I shared with you, the platinum rule, which is, you know, treat others the way they want to be treated. That's a great way to build trust. I think you need to have a standard, and I suggested in my book. Uh, but if people want to adopt something else, there's some other, you know, great things out there. The trust equation, which is actually kind of a mathematical formulation of trust, which is trust equals credibility plus reliability plus that degree of confidence that people have in you of, uh, you know, not sharing their information, being secure with what they share with you. And you look at that as variables over self-orientation. You want that other person not to be thinking about themselves, but to be thinking about you and other people. Uh, So there's different ways of looking at it, but I think every individual and every organization has to give some thought as to, you know, what is our trust standard? Because uh, you need to have the end in mind when you're starting out and uh, realizing that it takes continuous action over time that builds trust, it could be destroyed very quickly. Enron was trusted by many, and then very quickly the company became mud uh, when uh, some of their financial shenanigans got out there. So trust is built over time, but could be destroyed quite quickly if people don't mind to it. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit OpenSesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. Patrick, during the pandemic, we're working remotely. We're not with each other as much in person. I would imagine what you see is that it's harder to build trust when you're not with someone face-to-face on a regular basis. How would you help our listeners build trust from afar? Well, it is more challenging. Fortunately, we have technological tools that are quite helpful. So when it comes to relationship building, uh, yes, you know, you can go from Zoom meeting or Microsoft Teams meeting or WebEx meeting to meeting um, and just kind of do the business stuff. But I would encourage you to look at these as opportunities to really build deeper points of connection. So it could be as informal as reaching out to a colleague saying, hey, 
would you mind grabbing a virtual coffee? Um, what time would be a con- convenient time for you to do that? And not have a specific business agenda, but just really get to know the person. The same thing that we used to do in the real world all the time when we were like hanging out by the water cooler. Well, we can have the digital water cooler or the digital coffee. Um, and this is actually a pandemic best practice that for me is continuing now that we're kind of going back out into the world. I realize that these shorter meetings that don't have a business agenda online are very important. So I'd encourage people to do that, you know, on the one-to-one on their own. And if they manage a team, definitely you can have some fun with it. So I participated in a um, in a virtual wine tasting where they actually sent us out little wine bottles and everyone was tasting, you know, wine at the same time while we were logged into um, a video conference. So you can do it as a team building thing, but definitely um, realize that at the end of the day, people want to do business with and refer business to those who they know, like, and trust. And we're not going to accomplish that just by going through meeting agenda points. You've got to really make time to get to know people, whether it's informally or whether it's just doing team-based activities um, online. But yeah, I think video conferencing is a really cool way to, it's not the same, but hey, it's way better than just um, uh, you know relying on email, texting, and, and phone calls. Right. What if you're an employer? I see so much movement these days. We've got the great resignation going on. If you're an employer and you're trying to build trust with your employees and keep them happy, keep them working for your company, how do you go about doing that? Well, we work for a very large uh, company that's a Fortune 20 company. Um, And what they do is they actually do some really interesting things where they give people at the lower ranks of the organization an opportunity to connect with top executives in hmm. sort of informal um, kind of meetings where there's a limited number of seats. So everybody who shows up virtually is going to have a chance to talk to the, you know, the CTO or the, C- the CFO. Uh, so it's a great way to kind of cross-pollinate. And what's cool about that for the higher-ups is they have a chance to hear from the lower ranks people who they wouldn't be meeting uh, on a regular basis in this virtual environment. So it exposes them to parts of the organization that you know might be frontline facing that they wouldn't meet otherwise. So I think that's one way to just kind of keep it mixed up that way is um, you know create that structure, the the serendipity of having people uh, connect and you know doing these events uh, on a regular basis where people could say, hey, I missed. Uh, getting into the Monday group, but, you know, I know the following Monday that executive kind of has an open door with a small group and I want to, I want to jump on and participate in that. That's a great idea. Do you find that many of the companies that you work with are open to the philosophies of the importance of trust building with their employees? Uh, you know, the good ones. Yes. <laughs> I mean, really. And right now you, you mentioned the great resignation, um, you know, as people move around, I think employers are thinking really uh, strategically about hanging on to people. It's so expensive to retrain workers, uh, to find good workers. Uh, so hang on to who you have and create a culture of trust. And people are not only are more likely to stay around, but most companies that we are dealing with now are seeing that their best hires in this really competitive job market from an employer standpoint are coming from internal resources. Well, you're not going to get your employees referring you to their friends and their you know, alumni of their schools if they don't feel really good about their workplace. So mm. I think the, the wise companies are really investing in trust because it's going to be fueling um, their growth uh, because their, their best growth is going to come from internal resources. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, you are a TEDx speaker. I've watched some of your videos. You're very, very good. 
Give our audience some points on public speaking because some people, they're terrified of public speaking, but you do it very well. <laughs> well, you know, uh, if you speak about something you're passionate about, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to resonate more. So even if it's a dry topic, if you could illustrate it with a story. Um, so think about how you could make it interesting to people beyond just wowing them with facts and figures. Uh, people connect with stories. I, so I, I always encourage people to find ways to illustrate it. And if it's a story, it doesn't have to be your own. It could be a story of someone in your organization who exemplifies a point that you want to make. It's a great way to give somebody uh, a shout out for doing something good. But people remember stories much more than facts or figures. So definitely lead with a story. Um, I oftentimes will leave from a self-deprecating standpoint. So <laughs> if I've learned something through the school of hard knocks, share that with people. You are much more relatable when you're not the Oracle on the Hill, but somebody who has, uh, you know, struggled and learned something as a result of that struggle. People like those stories. Um, and then just realize that no matter how often you speak, you're always going to feel nerves and people who say, well, I'm not nervous when I speak. I kind of worry about them honestly, because I think that if you're going to be somebody that folks want to listen to, uh, they, want, they, they need to hear some enthusiasm. So if you can just reframe the butterflies that you get before you stand on a stage, if it's a big group, or even a video conference, if there's going to be a, multiple people in the audience, just think, hey, what I'm feeling right now that are butterflies, this is actually enthusiasm. And I am really excited that I have a chance to give this talk or, or, or give this presentation. And if, it, if, if you just play that mind game of turning butterflies into enthusiasm, I'm feeling enthusiasm, I'm feeling energy, that's a good thing. So don't, don't run away from it. Don't try to be cool and collected. Just kind of rechannel those, uh, those little butterflies that you feel into, into enthusiasm and excitement. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers. Publishers like TED, and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. What about practice? Some people say, you know, I want to go out there. I'm well prepared, but I don't want to practice too much. Other people are like, I'm bathroom mirroring it and I'm, I'm in front of the bathroom mirror or my friends and I'm practicing over and over again. Yeah. So I, I think practice is very important, but if you try to memorize, I think that is uh, the road to perdition. I think it's easy to get sidetracked. Someone coughs, something happens. And then all of a sudden you're tried to memorize a speech and you go off and kind of off into a, a tangent or you get lost. Uh, it's much better to kind of remember message points. Uh, there's a wonderful book called Moonwalking with Einstein by Joshua Flora. I highly recommend it. And he actually talks about a memory technique that goes back to the time of the ancient Greeks. And it's actually taking message points uh, in the case of public speaking, and you can actually physically locate them in rooms that are familiar to you. So when you're speaking, I did this during my TED Talk. I'm actually walking through my house, looking at my message points in different rooms. Each message point is represented by a word. So I'm not trying to remember a speech. I'm going on a home tour while I'm speaking. That's amazing. I, I, you know, I've done a lot of public speaking and, you know, there's all kinds of tips. I've never heard of that one before. That's brilliant. Well, it's a cool book, Moonwalking with Einstein. 
It's a great summer read. It's been out for about 10 years. Fantastic book. And uh, yes, it w- works really, really well for public speaking. Have you ever read the book Made to Stick? Uh, no, I haven't completed it. <laughs> That's that, that, that by the Heath brothers, right? Yeah. And it's got duct tape on the front cover, but yeah. they, they talk yeah. about just what you're talking about, that stories are memorable. So, you know, instead of just giving out a lot of information, get some stories mixed in there too. Absolutely. Stories are everything. Um, really people, people don't really remember the details in terms of facts and figures. They remember the feeling that you gave them through your presentation. So, you know, stories create feeling facts and figures, unless they're really dramatic, they don't do that in the same way. And actually the less is the more, if you are going to go with more of a facts and figures approach, just pick out the most salient ones, the ones that really would cause an impression that would cause a feeling. Just don't overwhelm with data. You want to parse out the data uh, with, with story. Let's look ahead a few years. I mean, you know, you go back five years, no one predicted a pandemic and that things would shift as they have in our society. If you look ahead five years, are we a more trusting world or are we a little bit uh, more paranoid or, you know, what, what's the world going to look like in the next few years? So I, I, am, I am definitely a glass half full type of person, mm-hmm. that's just my operating system. Uh, but I think in order to be in a better world, we have to uh, give trust to, to get trust. Um, so, you know, we can't control the world. It's just too big, but we can't control ourselves. So I say, if you want to live in a more trusting world, be a more trusted person. Um, and then you will have more trusted relationships. And that's something that you have agency over. So the world is a big place. Um, there's a lot of things that are quite disturbing going on. Um, so I like to break it down to a more granular, granular level. I'm a big believer in stoicism, focus on the controllables, the things that you have agency over. Some of the things we talked about earlier about the trust equation, you have control over those. So if, if you focus on that and hopefully enough people will focus on their individual actions and that will lead to a more trusting world. Um, and that's kind of what I'm leaning into is how do I become the most trusted person that I possibly can be? Patrick Galvin, he's an accomplished speaker, coach, and author. He's the co-founder of The Galvanizing Group. Read his books, The Connector's Way and The Trusted Way. His courses are available through Open Sesame at opensesame.com, and you can learn more about him at thegalvanizinggroup.com. Patrick, thank you so much. What a wealth of information you were, and uh, I look forward to reading your books, and thanks so much for joining me on the Learning Unlocked podcast. Thank you, Brian. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.